Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Uh, Brothers and sisters in Christ, uh, continuing on this journey that we have been on, building bridges, um, today it's specifically to the vengeful. Um, When we talk about the vengeful, we are, of course, talking about our own natural instinct towards vengeance or revenge, but there's a lot to learn in our text today from the Gospel of Matthew chapter 5. That's where we're going to be. We'll bounce around in Matthew a little bit, potentially over to Romans 2 if we have enough time. We'll see. Uh, But this is in the midst of the Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount is this, um, it's it's a long sermon. And I'm I'm sure it was even longer. I'm, I'm sure that Matthew didn't capture every single word that was said in this sermon. But the Sermon on the Mount Um, By today's standards, when Dan and I take a homiletics class uh, and they teach us how we should preach, uh, if you read it and you're putting it under that microscope, any one of our homiletic professors would say, that's not a very good sermon. (laughs) Jesus' sermon on the mount. So we're going to talk a little bit about that today, the the contextual aspect of this, uh, this word from our Lord and Savior Jesus on those who would seek vengeance, on those who are the victim of others um, seeking vengeance and our own natural instinct towards revenge. We're going to put that in some context a little bit today and understand exactly what the Lord is saying um, as we try to build bridge to those who would seek to do us harm, uh, to pay us back. Uh, Because this is the word of our Lord and Savior Jesus, would you please stand? Jesus said, You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if anyone would sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Give to the one who begs from you and do not refuse, the one who would borrow from you, Oops, did I miss it? And do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. Sorry. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that, they, so that you may be the sons of your father who is in heaven. For he makes his son rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. If you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? You, therefore, must be perfect, as your heavenly Father is perfect. This is the word of our Lord. You may be seated. Brothers and sisters in Christ. Uh, There's a lot in that text to digest, to be sure, but this text goes to a a very core, well, more than one, but let's let's call it one very core aspect of what it is to be human. I mean, none of us have ever been a, a perfect human. None of us have ever, for a moment in our life, not been sinful, at some point corrupted by sin. When we talk about sin, I like to sort of liken it to a, a computer operating system. There's, there's always in, in, a, in a computer operating system little glitches, right? No matter how much you try and, and get that computer running perfect, it can glitch or maybe 
maybe even it gets a virus and the whole thing gets corrupted and it, and it fails and doesn't work at all. But somewhere in between those, those two places is where everybody finds themselves is, is a computer system that, that is not perfect. There's always something wrong with it. That's kind of like what sin does uh, in our lives. And when it comes to this very specific case in which somebody is being vengeful to us, or our instinct to be vengeful to them, to, to make them pay, well, that goes to a very core be, part of our being that is very, very ancient, all the way back to the time of Moses. When Jesus says this, he says, you have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, he is quoting Moses in the book of Exodus. We just covered some of this in our Wednesday Bible study. We're in the midst of Exodus. We're about Exodus 22, somewhere in there. If you have time free on your lunch hour to jump on Zoom, it is a fantastic Bible study. We dig in deep to stuff. Um, there are days when we get through a whole chapter. There are then some days we, we laugh and joke we only get through a couple of verses. So you can join us on Zoom. Just mute your camera if you want to and, and your microphone or show up in person. We meet back in there. Fantastic Bible study. But Jesus is quoting this and it has this, this sense of, yeah, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Meaning, if somebody, if somebody does something to me, literally in the Old Testament, knocks one of my teeth out, then I'm going to get to knock one of their teeth out, right? Or if my eye gets poked out, then, then I'm going to poke their eye out. Well, that's, that's just how it works because we all have this desire in our hearts that when we are wronged, they need to pay. It's the first point in our sermon this morning is that since people need to pay for what they've done. What if I told you that's the opposite of what even Moses was saying in the Old Testament? You see, that's, that's the offensive side of it. That is, that is to say, this is the right thing. Go and get them. It sounds as though in the Old Testament, very different from the New Testament, it sounds like in the Old Testament, what you're supposed to do is make sure you seek justice and get your, your just rewards when somebody did something to you. And that's the opposite of what the Lord is saying through Moses in the Old Testament. When you put it in greater context, which literally has been our Bible study for probably three or four weeks now, so I don't have enough time to, to share with you all of the details, but in the context of that law giving in Exodus, it starts about like 19, really into 20, goes to 22, 23. In that law giving, what, what the people of Israel are hearing is, is not how far they can go, but what they can't do. In other words, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth means a tooth is worth less than an eye. So if somebody knocks your tooth out, you don't get to poke their eye out. <laughs> See, it's, it's a limitation. It's, it's designed to curb this natural instinct towards vengeance. Because vengeance will always escalate. That's the nature of it. Because when I'm seeking payback and somebody has wronged me and I wronged them, I'm thinking I'm going to get them back just as much as they got me. 
But we want to go a little bit further, right? Because we want to be on the, on the winning side of that ledger. We want to be just a step beyond that. Or we feel as though because it's taking us time and energy and we've been stewing on it, we're, we're giving to them the same as a, as a tooth, but really it's more like an eye, even though we think it's a tooth. The person who then has, has their eye gouged out feels like, well, that was way more than what I did. I didn't even, and then it escalates. And it honestly sounds like a couple of two-year-olds, doesn't it? <laughs> a couple of children. They started it. Yeah, but then you, well, but then you, don't you wish that ended when you were like four years old? And yet you know it's true because we've experienced it. In fact, you would be surprised as you read the Old Testament just how progressive it is on topics like this, on justice and that sort of a thing. Because the law is the law, Again, in the context of the Old Testament, the law is the law regardless of anything, regardless of, of your race, religion, socioeconomic status, power, any of that. Whether you are an Israelite or a foreigner, as you're reading through, what you discover is you don't get to say, yes, you knocked my tooth out, you owe me for an eye because you can afford it which is, by the way, really what that means, <laughs> is, is not that if somebody knocks your tooth out, you go and knock their tooth out. They must compensate you the equivalent of what that cost as determined by a group of elders. And it's a weird healthcare system, I know. <laughs> but that's, that's what that actually means. It, it's literally saying if somebody harms you and they are wealthier than you, you don't get to charge more. It would be like saying um, if, if I'm walking around as a person of, of low means and I've got a Timex watch on and a very wealthy person breaks it, I don't get to say to the very wealthy person, you owe me a Rolex. <laughs> Even though maybe wouldn't even dent their, their spending or their finances in, in the least bit, no, no. We are curbing this natural tendency for vengeance to escalate. So Jesus, as he's saying all of these things to the people, says, you have heard it said, but I tell you. Well, he's not undoing the Old Testament. He's not telling people that the, test the Old Testament is wrong. But to understand a little bit better, I'm going to put the scripture up on the screen. We have to jump to towards the end of this text. <laughs> uh, or I'm sorry, towards the end of the, the Sermon on the Mount. As it wraps up in chapter 7, verse 28. And when Jesus finished saying these things, the crowds were astonished at his teaching. For he was teaching them as one who had authority and not as their scribes. That truth is found a couple of different places in Matthew and all over in the Gospels where Jesus is expounding on the Old Testament and people are saying, but that's not what the Pharisees say about it. Well, who is of the greater authority? The, the almighty God, the creator of the universe become man, the one who was there as part of the inspiration of the Old Testament, the one who appeared to Moses on top of a mountain, the one who has discourse with Moses all through the Old Testament and after Moses' death that he, 
He knows and understands the Old Testament better than any of these people, better than any Pharisee or Sadducee or scribe or pastor or elder or council person. Jesus knows the scripture better than we do. And he reminds us we have to consistently, constantly revise what we're thinking if what we're thinking is based off of us, based off of what we want. Because, of course, what we want is for them to pay. It just makes sense, right? It makes sense to the the kingdom of the left, for sure. If you break into somebody's house and you steal something that's worth $1,000 and you're caught, you're going to have to pay for that $1,000. That's how this works. If, you're going to, if, if you are in a car accident and you cause this much amount of damage, well, that's how much you owe to fix this thing that, that you broke or destroyed that simply makes sense to the kingdom of the left, the kingdom of the world. The way the, the secular world works is rather efficient. It seems like there's justice to it, but then God calls his disciples out of that system to something greater. Remember, he's preaching this sermon to his disciples and to a wider range of those who are disciple-ish, right? Who, who are seeking, who are learning, who are drawn to him. He is saying in the entire Sermon on the Mount, this way that the world works is efficient to keep order, to keep us from escalating, to keep us from saying, you stole $1,000 from me, you owe me $10,000 because you're rich and you can afford it. You said this thing about me, and so I'm going to say 10 terrible things about you. It's designed to to curb the sin of this world, but God's kingdom operates differently. He's calling us to to take a step out, not completely. We, We can't leave this world until we die and go see him, but to take a step a little bit into this kingdom and act a little bit differently. He says, man, eye for an eye, tooth for tooth. I tell you what, somebody strikes you on the cheek, they owe you. You owe them. There is something going on here. There is is something going on. Somebody just struck you in the face. Anybody, kingdom of the left, would say, defend yourself. Kingdom of the left would say, take up arms. Kingdom of the left would say, throw a nice right cross. That's, That's what the world is telling you to do. And God says, let him hit the other one too if he wants. Somebody takes your cloak, give him your tunic. Let them not only harm you and be vengeful to you, but go another step further. This is hard, isn't it? (laughs) This is hard. Somebody wrongs you and you not only don't return the same wrong, but you allow it to continue. Doesn't sound good at all. Doesn't seem fair. Doesn't seem right, but we're using the standards of the world. And we're going to talk about the standards of the kingdom of the right in just a moment. But first, let's explore that. When somebody, 
When somebody is seeking vengeance against you, you've done something. You thought maybe you'd get away with it, and you didn't. You, you thought you wouldn't get caught, you did. You thought it wasn't really a big deal, but it was. You thought you were just going to really quickly, and they won't even notice, but now it's an issue, and now they come to you, and they want you to pay. Pay. <laughs> Why not? This is the, the interesting part of this, is the other side of that sin is this great defensiveness to, to say first and foremost, no, no, it wasn't me. No, no, I didn't do it. You're overreacting. This isn't that big of a deal. You've got lots of money. You've got more cars You've, or whatever. It might. We, we want to put blame somewhere else. The reality is none of us are without blame. We all have that sinful urge to escalate because we're all corrupted with sin. It also means it's probably very likely you did sin against them. You did say something or do something to contribute to this situation where somebody feels the, that sinful impulse to come and get from you and make you pay. Why would you let them take from you not just your tunic but your cloak? Well, because to, to, to defend yourself is to defend the defenseless. You did something. You're part of this. I've, I've never met a situation where there are two people who are at odds with one another, where, where one feels like one is wronged, and, and you owe me, and I owe this, and, and this, where everybody's like, whoa, this person is 100% innocent, <laughs> has done everything perfectly right. Put myself in that category too, by the way. Now, what did you do? How did you contribute to this? What part of this is yours? And then pay. But what if they want not just my tunic, but also my cloak, and they want to escalate? Let them escalate. But don't you escalate. Because to defend, to, to have that sense of, of engagement and fight is only going to compound the sin involved. But there's this other side of this where it says, you've said, you've heard it said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. The, the misconstruction of Pharisees, Sadducees, and, and the scribes, and the misconception and misconstruction of people today is that if somebody does this to me, then I am owed the opportunity to take from them. And God is saying, no, no. Not in the kingdom of God. In the kingdom of God, it doesn't work this way. In the kingdom of God, you don't pay what you owe. Let's say that again. In the kingdom of the right, kingdom of God, you don't pay what you owe. Because what do you owe? <laughs> you owe a lifetime of sin. From the moment you were conceived to when you were born, to you, you spoke your first word, you were a sinner. In all of the days of your life, in, in all every breath you have taken, there has been a corruption of the soul so that no one thing that you've ever done or said has been completely, perfectly free of, of any bad intention, any subterfuge, or, or, or any 
just sinful, lustful, whatever desire. It's never happened to you. You've never not been a sinner. This is what you owe. If God were to say, you will pay your debt, what is your debt that you owe? It is your life for eternity. It, it is to be killed on a cross with God himself turning his back on you so that you cry out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Oh, yeah, it's because of all of the sin. And then have that experience of the forsakenness of God, not for the rest of your life, but for all of eternity. That's what you owe. And we don't have a God who says, pay your dues. An eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. A sinful life, sinful death, sinful eternity. That's not what God does. And he runs the kingdom of the right just as much as he does the kingdom of the left. In God's kingdom, we don't demand repayment. We don't demand that others satisfy the debt that they owe to us, and we certainly don't withhold anything that we owe someone else. This is how God is calling. This is how Jesus is calling his disciples to live, not like the world lives, but in this whole different way. And I know that that brings this, this thought up. So that means there's no justice. The second point in the sermon. Don't worry, we're talking about it. There's no justice ever? No. Now see, the thing about the, the Sermon on the Mount and all of Jesus' words, there's a few things that you have to manage. One of the things that you have to manage is that he's doing something specifically. He's trying to move people away from this idea that this is what eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth really means, to open up the scriptures of the Old Testament. And then also he's being very specific on these few things, which doesn't mean that gets applied to everything, and there's a context to it that is first century Judaism. <laughs> so I could like spend a Bible study or two or three or four or five on those topics, but let me just try and help you understand some concepts that help us understand. When you are owed something, and frankly, you you can't live without it. It was taken from you. Somebody has, has taken and stolen your car. They do owe you a car, but you, you got to get to work. This I can't live without. And this is, by the way, part of the Old Testament. It's right there in Exodus 20 and 21. If somebody has harmed you in a way that isn't just an inconvenience, but actually affects your ability to earn money. This again is in Exodus chapter 21. A man is, is hit with a rod and, and falls and is unable, like somebody attacked him, hit him, beat him up, can't able to work, but then he recovers, repaid for his time lost. Part of the Old Testament. See, it, is, it isn't that, that there is no justice, what was happening was eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, was weaponized to, to avenge, to cause other people pain and suffering, to take things that were exorbitant, to charge people more, to get out of, to, for, for a man to say to another man, but since you're poor, I'm going to give you nothing. 
This is what Jesus is addressing, is our misuse of the law in the Old Testament when it comes to especially emotional and spiritual damage that we cause. There is, of course, justice. But Jesus' guidelines are when and where you can afford it, when and where it is an opportunity to follow this higher calling of not being just in the kingdom of the left, but also in the kingdom of the right, in that case, yes. Yes, turn the other cheek. I'll give an example, and it's such a lame example, but it fits. (laughs) Um, When I was in college doing camp ministry, which is where I was a couple of weeks ago, one of the things to do was learn how to play guitar. You guys saw how well I play guitar, right? You guys know, super good at it. Um, I saved up my pennies. I I worked hard. Um, I I got a pretty nice acoustic guitar. I was just stoked about it. And then in seminary, my buddy wanted to borrow my guitar. I won't tell you his name was Chuck Johnson. And (laughs) it's a funny story, he knows. Uh, he's a pastor, too, by the way. So we're, we're in, this, in this seminary together. He wants to borrow it. He's learning to play guitar, but wants a nicer guitar because he's going to go do something or event or whatever with it. And he brings it back, and he broke it. And I mean he broke, broke it. Like the, the head of the guitar was no longer attached to the rest of the guitar. <laughs> There's no fixing this. There's no going back. This is a broke, broke guitar. And he couldn't buy me a new one. I was bummed. I, couldn't, I was a poor seminarian. I couldn't afford a new one either. He scraped up his, his pennies. He found what he could. He bought me a very cheap guitar. Of course, I felt that this is not a seagull. <laughs> this is not the guitar I always wanted. This is not an acoustic electric. This is not, of course, all of those things were my, I can actually feel Joel, by the way, cringing in the back. <laughs> like, oh, oh, no. I obviously could not afford, or he could not afford to buy me the, the, the same level of guitar. And of course, I wanted him to. Of course, I had those feelings. Of course, I, I wanted to take something of equal value from him. Fortunately, I was in a place that was just full of gospel, full of church, full of Bible, full of all of these things, and I knew, man, there's no way. There's no way. I, number one, I'm not that good at guitar, <laughs> to be perfectly honest. Uh, the seagull was far better at guitar than I was a guitarist, so it was all well and good. But that is... That is the model Jesus is asking for all of us in all of these scenarios, when and where you can afford it. I can afford to have a cheap, crappy guitar. My, my life doesn't depend on it. My livelihood doesn't depend on it. I don't play shows. It's, it's nothing to me other than money lost. Frankly, it was okay. The justice that God allows for us is, is when and where two things. One, you are significantly harmed. And I understand that that is a gray area. And this is why study of scripture and, and all of this is important. Number two, when and where you are actually saving other people from harm. When and where um, somebody has caused pain over and over again. Or, or may do this again. 
or it has a pattern of this behavior. Well, now we have to have justice, not for myself, but for those future victims out there. That being laid out and understood only gets us so far, and we're just still, like, always running behind. So last point here is love like God. Um, The end of our text today says to us, uh, I'm going to skip a bunch here. (laughs) You, therefore, must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. That there is a pretty high bar, and it sounds impossible. Sounds like condemnation. Sounds like be perfect. But again, that's not what Jesus is doing. He has just said, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. These are very difficult things to do. That person who wants vengeance on you, who wants to get you back, who wants to harm you as you have harmed them, it's difficult to love them. And Jesus goes, okay, so you love the people who love you. Well, that's, that's that Bush League. Anybody does that. Or you're kind to people who are kind to you. Gentiles do that. Jesus is saying the people of the world, the, the love that they have, not that it's bad, but that we're called to something higher. Our aspiration is something greater. Our aspiration is to also love people who don't love us to love those who want to harm us and cause us pain. That's what our aspirations are. He's speaking specifically to disciples. He's speaking specifically to all of us. And he says, this is how God loves. God loves those who hate him. That's just true. We God doesn't just love Christians. God doesn't just love the people who call on his name. God doesn't just love Those who love him, he loves us all. Every last person on this planet, the ones who curse his name, worship Satan or whatever, he loves them. I mean, it doesn't mean that they're saved. That's the problem. His love and compassion for them is so great that he desires for them to come to faith so that they too would love him, not not for his benefit, but for their benefit. This is what love really is. Love isn't for your benefit. Love is for the benefit of others. A byproduct of that is it benefits you. (laughs) To love somebody who hates me is a difficult thing to do, but the benefit of me loving them is so that they might see a witness of a different sort of kingdom. Why is that person loving to me? Why is that person kind to me? Why does that person pray for me when all I want to do is ruin his life? They're asking questions about the kingdom of the right, God's kingdom. If they were like, yeah, that guy hates me because, man, do I hate him. Well, they're just operating in the kingdom of the left, and there is no salvation in the kingdom of the left. There's plenty of what the left kingdom, what the kingdom of the world would call just and right and good, and it curbs evil, and then you die without a relationship with the creator, but in the kingdom of the right, acting so differently, loving so differently, pursuing people as God pursues, going towards and not away from those who curse him and hate him. This is what God does for us. 
be perfect like your heavenly father is perfect isn't words of condemnation. It is the most beautiful aspiration possible. Obviously, we want that sort of love, but clearly, we can't do it. That's good for us to recognize. If the scripture said, well, you know, love sort of like God loves, you're like, maybe I sort of do. But when it says be perfect, love perfectly like your heavenly father is perfect and loves perfectly, the first thing that that moves us to do is bow our heads and say, I have failed. And that's a good thing. It's a good thing for us to recognize I don't love as perfectly as he does because I still harbor some animosity. I'm still annoyed with, I still kind of want a new guitar. (laughs) All of those things, all of those things that that I still know Chuck Johnson's name, all of those things still like in your heart, it's, it's impossible. I'm not perfect like he is. What does that do? It shows me how amazing my God is. That's the point of that, is for me to say, if he is perfect and he doesn't harbor any animosity towards me when I did that or when I said that, when he doesn't have any anger at me, even though I keep doing this or even though I can't stop being so angry at my spouse and I, and I keep keeping score with my spouse, they did this or I did that, and then they did it. Even though that keeps happening, he doesn't do that. It's to make us marvel at his love and, of course, aspire to be more like that, to, d- to draw closer to that in discipleship. We won't be perfect and perfectly in the kingdom of the right until that kingdom of the right descends from the new heaven to the new earth and we are all there in perfection, raised bodily out of the ground, now loving everyone and there's no enemies. Loving everyone, there's nobody to strike you on the cheek or to take your tunic or any of these things. Until that day, our aspiration is always for those who want to hurt us, for those who want to cause us harm, love them. Love them. Pray for them. Protect yourself where that protection needs to be. Protect others where that protection needs to happen. But don't, don't deny them what they're asking for. Don't deny them the, the love that they desire and need. Don't deny them the opportunity for a glimpse at the kingdom to say, you owe me this, freely give even more. Why would you do that? Let me tell you about this other kingdom where God reigns supreme, all who live in it worship and call on his name. We, we bow before him because what I just did for you, that, that little bit of giving you more than, than you ask or were owed, that's, that's his go-to every day, every minute, every second of my life. And he'd love for you to live in that kingdom. Amen. May the peace which surpasses human understanding guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Would you please stand to pray?
Heavenly Father, I am so thankful that, that you do not ask of me what I owe, but rather give to me what I don't deserve, what you don't owe me, the greatest gift of all, the love and salvation that comes through your son Jesus, who took upon himself my debt and all that I owed so that I might have eternal life. And I pray, Lord, that you would teach us um, to, to relearn and, and understand differently revenge, vengeance, payback, all of those things, and instead learn to love those who would persecute us and call us an enemy. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Receive the benediction. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord look upon you with his favor and give to you his peace. Amen.